Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you're with us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. You know the drill. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the country, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the nation's largest farm organization has officially come out in opposition to the Biden administration's Build Back Better spending bill. The American Farm Bureau Federation, officially opposing the bill this week, will have that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It's not too often that we can talk about weeds in a positive sense, but for those who raise sheep, what you and I consider to be a vegetative nuisance can be a good source of forage. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Agricultural students are receiving valuable experiences and knowledge as they attend the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have an interview with a Texas Tech student on Texas Ag Today. Hay is the most widely grown, mechanically harvested agronomic crop in the U.S. Stored feed, including hay, is normally more expensive than pasture forage, so it is economically advantageous to minimize storage and feeding losses. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The American Farm Bureau Federation has officially stated its opposition to the Build Back Better spending bill currently being debated in Congress. AFBF President Zippy Duvall says the bill contains funding for conservation, forestry, and ag research. But the bill's costs far outweigh the benefits of that funding. Those are attractive programs that are in there. But if you look at it and look at the numbers, you're talking somewhere between $66 billion to $90 billion. But we're looking at a $3.5 trillion bill. Soaring inflation further complicates the issue with costs increasing for fuel, fertilizer, and chemicals. Seven Texas counties have been designated disaster areas by USDA. Help is on the way for Texas farmers and ranchers impacted by too much rainfall earlier this year. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has designated seven Texas counties as primary disaster areas, making producers in those areas eligible for emergency loans to help them recover from above-average rainfall between January and July. According to the Farm Service Agency, the loans may be used to meet recovery needs, like replacing essential items like equipment or livestock. The following counties are the primary disaster areas, Calhoun, Colorado, Delta, Falls, Floyd, Hopkins, and Victoria. Some counties connected to those are also eligible for the emergency loans. The deadline to apply at a USDA service center is July 5, 2022. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Cattle groups are calling for a ban on imports of Brazilian beef, with new reports of BSE, or mad cow disease, reported in that country. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association, the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, and RCAF USA are all asking Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack to immediately suspend all imports of fresh beef from Brazil to the U.S. According to reports published by the World Organization for Animal Health, Brazil took more than eight weeks to report two confirmed cases of atypical BSE. That is much longer than the OIE's requirement to report within 24 hours for any animal disease that could be of international concern for public health. NCBA's Vice President of Government Affairs, Ethan Lane, says it's time to keep Brazilian fresh beef out of this country until USDA can confirm that Brazil meets the same consumer and food safety guidelines that we apply to all of our trade partners. If weeds are your problem, sheep might be your answer. James Hunt tells us weeds can be a good source of forage for Texas sheep producers. In my previous two reports, I've brought you some insights from Dr. Tim Steffens on the subject of raising small ruminants, i.e. sheep and goats. Dr. Steffens is a range management specialist with Texas A&M AgriLife and West Texas A&M. As we round out this series, Dr. Steffens tells us one thing sheep can offer is they can be good for weed control, at least for some weeds. A lot of the mustards sheep really relish a lot. Mare's tail, they'll make some use of. Uh, wild tarragon that a lot of people are trying to kill right now on rangeland. It's not extremely relished, but they eat it. Wild alfalfa or, or scurf pea, they will eat that. They won't eat silverleaf nightshade. They won't eat henbit. They're not very good. A, a cow will actually eat vegetative sunflowers a little better in my experience than sheep will. And they're not real wild about uh, lamb's quarter either. But they will use a whole lot of things. Bindweed is like candy to them. Pigweed is pretty much like candy to them. And kosher, it may not be candy, but it's a pretty decent meal. And, I mean, I've had finished lambs off of the ewes running on nothing but kosher and bindweed. An interesting note there, and we've hit on just a small sampling of topics related to sheep and goats during this series. It's a subject we'll likely revisit again because, as Dr. Steffens has explained, small ruminants do have a place in Texas High Plains agriculture. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Agricultural communication students from Texas picked up some valuable knowledge and experience at a National Farm Broadcasting Convention last week. Tom Nicoletti has this report from Kansas City. I'm reporting today from the 2021 National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City. My guest is Ashton Carr. She is a Texas Tech graduate student. She is from the Dallas-Fort Worth area and she is uh, doing agribusiness as her graduate work with uh, ag communications as an undergrad uh, degree. And uh, Ashton, why is it important for you to be uh, here in Kansas City for your first NAFB convention? I think as someone who is a little bit greener to the ag communication scene, the broadcasting scene, it's a little bit important for me 
personally to get a little bit of experience and knowledge from these people who have been in NAFB or around the scene for, you know, years and years, just at this luncheon that you and I were at today, just sitting around the table and hearing these gentlemen talk about what the markets were doing today and hearing their perspective and rolling off of what they know about the markets has been a little bit beneficial for me just because I report on the markets every day on products that I work on. So being able to experience that has been awesome. And certainly there are other students that are in agricultural programs from across the United States also here and you get to uh, network with them as well. Yes, sir. I am. I am part of the social media core actually here for NAFB. And so there's two other students joining me there and we've gotten to know each other just a little bit here on our first day and just getting to know a little bit more about what they're interested in. And, you know, we are bouncing questions off of one another as well. So just being able to interact and bounce ideas off of one another and learn more about my fellow students and my peers has also been a really great experience so far. That is Ashton Carr. She is a Texas Tech graduate student at the NAFB convention here in Kansas City. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It costs a lot of money to put up hay, so it makes sense to be very efficient when feeding it this winter. 4-H specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson has some advice for getting the most out of your hay this year. The major objective for a hay feeding system should be to keep losses to a minimum. Some hay losses during feeding can be expected with any feeding system, but the amount of loss varies with the system that is used. Feeding losses include trampling, leaf shatter, fecal and urine contamination, and refusal. The levels and cost of these losses will be determined by feeding methods, intervals between feedings, amounts fed at a time, weather conditions, the number of animals being fed, and forage quality. Here are some helpful hints to avoid feeding losses. First, minimize waste. Second, feed hay in small amounts. This limits trampling and spoilage. Third, use a feeder. Feeding hay in a rack or a hay ring also eliminates the opportunity that animals have to trample or spoil hay, and it will reduce waste substantially. Fourth recommendation is to feed hay in well-drained areas. Standing mud and water increases the animal's stress levels. Fifth recommendation is to move hay feeding areas around the farm. This minimizes the damage to any one area of the pasture and spreads nutrients over a larger area since cattle congregate at feeders. The last recommendation is to feed hay stored outside before feeding any hay that has been stored inside a barn. Hay can be most efficiently fed when separated into lots according to quality and when classes of animals are separated and fed according to their needs. This allows hay quality to be matched to livestock needs. Hay is one of the most widely used supplemental forages of any livestock feeding program. With the cost of inputs required to make hay, it is important for producers to minimize feeding losses to the greatest extent possible. Hay can provide needed nutrients for animals. The livestock producer must pay close attention to the quality of the hay as well as the factors influencing losses during hay making, storage, and feeding. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from Overton for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will soon increase anglers' chances of catching a fish this winter. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And equine colic is one of the most common medical conditions seen in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. 
I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Equine colic is one of the most common medical conditions seen in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says the treatment varies with the degree of colic. The first thing that is required in treating a colic is controlling the pain. Dr. David Freeman indicates in The Practitioner that control of pain is crucial, and if pain cannot be controlled successfully, then surgery is recommended. It is not wise to give multiple doses of banamine to control pain as administering it more often than every 12 hours can cause gastrointestinal upset and possibly lead to kidney damage. Also, never give banamine in the muscle, even though it's on the label to do so, as it can cause a severe muscle infection that can be deadly. If drugs like xylazine or dermosidan have to be given frequently to control pain, the horse likely will need surgery. Although walking the horse can sometimes help with pain, if the horse is trying to go down even with pain medication, surgery is likely to be required. And you do not want to wait on surgery, as the success rate of surgery is much greater if it is performed sooner rather than later, as the horse is in better overall health and there's less intestinal damage. The next important portion of treatment is fluid therapy. All horses that have been colicking for over a few hours will be dehydrated to some degree. If the stomach is working, your vet can pass a stomach tube and administer oral fluids for rehydration. Never try to give your horse water directly in the mouth as it will likely lead to aspiration pneumonia. If the stomach is not working, intravenous fluids will be required, and many times I find intravenous fluids help with intestinal function and can be determined by an increase in intestinal sounds. Colic can be deadly, so don't wait, but call your vet immediately. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will soon increase anglers' chances of catching fish this winter. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. If you are looking for a family-friendly outdoor activity for over the Thanksgiving holiday, you might want to consider fishing for rainbow trout. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will begin stocking thousands of rainbow trout on Wednesday, November 24th. About 352,000 trout will be released statewide from November 24th through March 6th. Carl Kittle, TPWD's Rainbow Trout Program Director, said the department stocks catchable-sized fish during the winter months to create fishing opportunities for Texans. He said rainbow trout love cold water and can be caught on a variety of baits and lures. He said they're great to take home and eat. Because rainbow trout cannot survive in Texas after the winter, Texas anglers are encouraged to catch and keep up to their daily bag limit of five trout. Looking for a place to fish? The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department manages 18 neighborhood fishing lakes statewide in most urban areas like Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, and San Antonio. Those lakes are frequently stocked over the winter, and the Parks and Wildlife Department says they offer plenty of amenities so people of all ages can fish and connect with nature. 
You can find a neighborhood fishing lake on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Simply search Neighborhood Fishing. Parks and Wildlife will also stock rainbow trout in local city and county-managed park ponds, the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center Casting Pond, and several rivers, including the Frio, South Llano, and Guadalupe Rivers, and the Clear Fork of the Trinity River. You can sign up for updates on fish stocking and find fish regulations on tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cotton market hit $1.20 over the past week, while the corn market continues to climb its way towards $6. Jessica will be back with a complete look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a good week for live cattle futures, with most contracts trending higher. Cash cattle trade also trended higher. December live cattle Friday up 37 cents to 133.52. February live cattle up 45 cents Friday to 137.70. April live cattle up 42 cents to 141.30. After Thursday's rally, feeder cattle prices fell on Friday. January feeder cattle down 45 cents to 160.92. March feeder cattle down 17 cents to 163.37. Now let's take a look at the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. It's time to review a cattle sale that we had in Fredericksburg on Wednesday. Wayne Geiswatt's the proprietor. Wayne, how'd that sale turn out? Ended up with 1255 here today. Cow market's probably a good $5 cheaper. They sure took it off on the rest of cow meat. And it sure showed, and especially the light cows. It just, she didn't weigh a thousand pounds. It just, it was horrible. Plenty tough. I ended up having a couple of boys turn them out, stuff like that, and that helped quite a bit. It was sure tough on the cows. Cow market, I called it about steady. You know, we had full moon, Larry, and we had some calves. Uh, people going to think they were a little cheaper. They were so full, you you know, they looked like a roly-poly coming in. Right. And uh, some of those smaller frame cattle that a lot of times will get by were so full, and it didn't they didn't show themselves off the very best that they could. Still had some good four-weight calves bring up $2, three weights up to two seventeen and a half, uh, five weights up to 180 something, six weights up to 150 
seven weights into the 140s and had some good eight weight calibering up to 133. Heifer mates probably were a little stronger upper heart than uh, steers were. Had some six weights up to 137, five weights up to 145, and some of those fancy four weights up into the low 160s now. They had to really be fancy to bring that, and if they didn't bring that, well, they'll bring 45 to 52 or three. Three weights up to 170. Good cattle saw really good again. We saw a few more fleshy cattle, and of course, this bull brain didn't look as good as they could have. Some of them didn't look as good. And your holiday schedule, Wayne Guys White? No sales next week. It'll be the first time we've been off in, you know, since July 4th. So we're going to take it off Thanksgiving. I think quite a few of the people are just kind of a little burnt out. Right. Get us a week out and come back and be ready to go. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. We're at 830-997-4394. Thank you, Wayne. And thank you, my Texas neighbor, for listening to Walk in the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. See you back again tomorrow. We saw lean hogs fall Friday on ample supply for packers to choose from. December lean hogs down $1.35 to $73.75. February lean hogs down $0.82 cents to $82.47. Both block and barrel cheese rose on Friday. That combined with the October milk production report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture pushed Class Three milk substantially higher on Friday for some contracts. November class 3 milk up 6 cents to 17.97, December class 3 milk up 85 cents to 18.33 a hundredweight. Cotton closed markedly higher Friday. In fact, it is the fifth consecutive week of higher closings for cotton. December cotton up 163 points to $1.19, March cotton up 129 points to $1.16. Analysts say some of that increase could be due to reports of higher cotton prices in China, prompting textile mills to increase their cotton buying. December corn down two and a quarter Friday to 5.70 and three quarters. March corn down two and a quarter to 5.77. December hard red wheat was up seven and a half Friday to 8.34 and three quarters. March hard red wheat up eight to 8.38 and a half. December crude oil down two dollars and ninety cents to 76.11. January crude oil down two dollars and sixty-three cents to 75.78 a barrel. The Dow down 269 points Friday to 35,602. The S&P 500 down four to 4,700. The NASDAQ up 72 to 16,066. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to tune into our next episode for the latest in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel and we hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.